Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and praise you for Tuesday night Bible study. We thank you, Lord, for your word, where you tell us who you are and what you like and what you don't like and how we can make you happy and what happens when we make you happy and what happens when we don't make you happy. So, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for your word. And tonight, as we read and study the word, I ask you to bless us and bless the word as it goes forth. Now, rebuke the enemy and command the enemy to get his hands off of every one of us. As we listen to the Word of God, may your Holy Spirit lock it into our hearts, Lord, that we will be obedient children to do what you tell us to do. And we want to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing about it is, one of the first things I want to start out with, I want you to know that if you don't know... I want you to know that we as children of God have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and we've been made whole by the blood and all the promises of God are yes and amen to those of us that are children of God that are walking in obedience to His Word. I want you to know that. So when you fight a battle, and of course I see this more and more, and the more uh, I see the battles fought, I see lots of Christians lose their battles. And whenever they lose their battles, the reason they lose them is because they don't do it God's way. Now, I think about my own self, my own walk with God. I mean, I was a Christian from the time I was 11. I made Jesus Lord of my life when I was 11, but I had no idea of what was available to me as a son of God because I had never read the Word of God. So, for years and years and years, I mean, my mother and dad tried to tell me things that they knew was wrong and that I shouldn't do. And I listened to them pretty well because I knew they'd been in church all of their lives. And I knew they was older and more uh, sound in the Word. And so, when they told me something, I believed them. And so, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. You know, I didn't, I never did go out and drink and smoke and cuss and run around with wild women and get involved in sexual activity. I didn't ever, never done all those things because mom and dad told me not to. They said it's sin and it will have a consequence. So I didn't do those things. I walked in, in obedience to God's word. But there was a lot of things they didn't know was sin. Like, for instance, I didn't realize that the power of my tongue would either bring life or bring death. I didn't know that. You know, my mother and dad didn't know that. And so I had no idea that if I spoke the wrong things, I could bring a word curse upon myself. I didn't know these things. And so by not knowing those things, I couldn't get God to answer my prayers. But I really didn't pray in faith very much either because I didn't know what faith was. And so by not knowing, you can't get God to do anything there either because He's a faith God. And I didn't know God would put me to the test. So whenever he put me to the test, I always failed my test. You know, I didn't know how to pass a test. And so I didn't know that God would put me to the test to bring my character level up to a new level. He was going to make me a new creature. I didn't understand all those things. So by not understanding what was happening, I, I just didn't know how to fight this fight. So getting prayers answered was something that... I didn't know enough about it to even uh, talk about it. You know, I mean, prayers answered. I didn't know God did miracles. I didn't see Him do them in church. So why should I think He would do them for me? 
Because I went to church, but I didn't see God answer a prayer. I didn't see anything happen. But over the years, as I began to study this book and realized this book means just exactly what it says. And God is no respecter of persons. So it doesn't make any difference if it's Cheryl or it's me or it's you. God is no respecter of persons. When he says something, he means what he says, and he will do what he says. Now, he is a patient and long-suffering God, thank goodness, there. Because if he hadn't been, I know several of us that wouldn't be here tonight. You know, he would have swatted us with a fly swatter, and it would have all been over after about the 10,000th time we sinned. You know, he would have said, that's it, I'm put up with you as long as I'm going to, now then it's over. And uh, I'd have died and went home, and I don't know whether I would have went to heaven or hell. <laughs> but... I've now learned a whole lot about the Word of God. I've learned about some of the things, at least, that makes the Lord happy and some of those things that makes Him unhappy because I've read the book and we're going to discuss some of these things in detail tonight. And if we'll do these things that He says, He will answer our prayers. And you will get to see great and awesome things happen. And many of you in here have been a recipient of those prayers. In fact, I was talking to Deborah a while ago. She came in early. She helped set up. In fact, I guess you might say she set up the chairs for me tonight. I'm so grateful for her help. She got here early and she set up the chairs. When she got through, well, uh, I was doing some other things and moving the rest of the chairs out of the way. And we were standing here talking. And I guess I didn't know that she had had a headache uh, with uh, these allergies or sinuses or whatever, migraine headaches, for 30 years of her life. I didn't know that. And she came here to the ministry, learned about these things, and learned how to get healed, and came up for prayer. And we prayed for her, and God healed her. And she hadn't had a headache since. you know. And boy, she's grateful to the Lord. I mean, after 30 years of having migraine headaches, it's wonderful to wake up every day and knowing now what to do, and how to touch God. And that's what we did. And uh, But many of you here that come here, especially those that have been here over the last... Uh, uh, eight or ten years as we have taught these things, people from all over the country have been here and received these great and answers, awesome answers to prayer. Many of them. So at first I didn't know what moved the hand of God, didn't know how to get a prayer answered, so I never got one answered. And then when I began to step over into this and see what God required and I began to do what He said, then He began to answer my prayers. And now then we get a lot of prayers answered. And we're so grateful to that, to the Lord for those things. Now then, I want to take you back to start off with. We're going to cover a whole lot of different scriptures tonight. But I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament to start out. And I want want you to know in Exodus chapter 23, where we're going to start tonight, I want you to know that in Hebrews 13.8, in the New Testament it says, The God that we serve is the same yesterday. Today and forever, He never changes. So if He never changes, if He liked something 5,000 years ago, He still likes it today. If He didn't like it 5,000 years ago, He still don't like it today. He don't ever change. Now, you and I might not like spinach when we're a kid. But you may learn to like spinach when you get to be 40. But that God don't ever change. He liked spinach at the start and he liked it at the end because he's the one that made spinach. So, he don't ever change. You and I can change, but God cannot. 
the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. It is a perfect Word. And what God said thousands of years ago, He still says today. And He's never changed His mind or His heart about anything. He says in His Word, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. It shall never be changed. So, if He said it, you don't have to worry about Him saying, okay, I like this today, but next year I'm not going to like this. In other words, you can do this today, but you can't do it next year. No, that's not God. If he said he don't like something 5,000 years ago, he still don't like it today. He has never changed his mind about nothing. So, we go back with these, this insight into the Word of God, knowing that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Then we're going to see what he liked as he was bringing the people into the promised land. Now, we're going to go back to Exodus 23, and we're going to start out with verse 20. And it says, See, I am sending my angel before you to lead you safely to the land I have promised for you. Pay attention to him and obey all of his instructions. Now, something you're going to find out about God as you go through the Word, over and over and over and over, the king says, Obey me. Obey me. You're going to see this over and over and over. Now, if God said to obey him, what do you think he meant? (laughs) I think he means obey. So we'll have to learn what he likes. Then he says, do not rebel against him. He says, he said, now what he's saying here, I am sending my angel before you. Now, and right now today, how many of you believe that today you and I still have angels that go before us? Of course we do. Absolutely. The Lord has sent angels to watch over us and protect us. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it even says that we will judge our angel. You know, I mean, we will judge our angel. And I got tickled at Ty the other day. Something happened to him. And he told that angel, angel, you better do a good job or I'm going to judge you. (laughs) But see, we have authority today as children of God that we didn't have before. See, today we're children. Now, into the Old Covenant where we're reading about, under the Old Covenant, we were servants of God. Technically, we were slaves. We were servants. And when they come to the beginning of the New Testament, when Jesus was here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he called them friends. We were friends. We were God's friend. But do you know... That whenever Jesus died on that cross and arose again, he says, now then, anybody that comes to me and believes in me, I will make you my children. Now, is there any difference the way you treat a servant or a slave or even a friend than the way you treat your children? Oh, yeah, I'll do things for my children I won't do for nobody else. Aren't you that way? Sure. I mean, you might say, oh, I'd do anything for you. You know, I'm mother, daughter, whatever, you know, or son or whatever. You might say, I'd do anything for you. And you say, well, why would, Mama, why would you do anything for him? Because he's your son, right? Hey, you'll do anything. Well, if you'll do that for him, then you ought to do it for me. He said, no, wait a minute. Now, that's a different story. So I don't have quite the connection with you that I have with him because he's my son. Well, see, Mama will do things for her child. She won't do for nobody else. And every one of you are the same way. But this is a privilege that we have when we become born-again Christians. The day we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
we got to get this picture that we were members of the devil's kingdom until that time. We were out there in the devil's world. And he owned us. We were children of the devil. And he had a power and authority over us. But the day we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Word of God says Jesus reached over and he picked us up and delivered us out of the kingdom of hell. And he delivers us and translates us into the kingdom of light and washes us clean and purifies us, puts a white robe on us. And every sin we've ever committed up to that point has been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And at the point you get saved, you're as clean and pure as you will ever be in your life. Isn't that an awesome thing to think about? Today, I don't care how evil or how wicked or how bad you were. I don't care what you've done. The day you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He puts a white robe on you and me, and we become born-again children of the Most High God. Now, most of us don't have a clue what belongs to us. I didn't. At 11 years old, when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I had no idea who I was or what I could do in the name of Jesus. No idea. Now then... The devil wants to do everything he can to keep you bound up so you don't never learn that. If he can keep you out of church, out of Bible study, he can blind your mind. You will go through your whole life never knowing what really belongs to you as a son or a daughter of God. Boy, when you get in the Word and you begin to read this book and you begin to learn who you are and what you can do and that you've got angels... Just like the Lord says, I send my angel there in Exodus 23. I send my angels before you. See, I didn't know as a young person, as a born-again Christian, I didn't know I had an angel. I didn't know I could call on my angel to do things for me. I didn't know that. But as I began to read the Word of God, especially when I got over into the New Covenant, and I began to learn that are all angels are ministering spirits, that are sent forth to minister for those of us that are heirs of salvation? Well, are we heirs of salvation if we're born-again believers? Yes. So these angels belong to us. They're ours. So, when you learn that, when you really get in a bind and you run into something you can't do, you can call on these big boys to help you. How many people do you know in life that don't know this? I mean, a lot of people don't know this. Well... One time my son and I, to give you an example of what an angel, since the Lord says here in the Old Testament, I am sending my angels before you, said, obey him. Well, today the angels have to obey us as children of God. Isn't that awesome? Back in that day, we had to obey them. But today they're sent to us because we're sons of God. We're daughters of the king. Well, when you learn that and you learn that these angels are sent to you, Then when you really have a need, I can think about this woman here years ago, here in the Dallas area. She was walking home one evening. And as she was walking home, she started to take a tour through the alley to the house because it was a lot shorter. And she was going to go through there and it was getting a little dark. And she thought, well, by the time I get home, it's probably going to be dark. I don't know whether I need to go through this alley. She said, Lord... Please protect me. I'm going to go through this alley home. Please protect me. Now, see, she had done something right. So the Lord heard that. Immediately sent a couple of angels to walk through there with her. She couldn't see them. They're invisible spirits. But as she walked through, she said, I was walking through this area, 
And I got well down in that alley, and all of a sudden I looked up, and there was a man standing in one of the little garbage cutouts where they put the trash cans. Kind of secluded there. Said it scared me, but he was just standing there. So she said, I just kept right on walking. And she said, he never moved. I walked right on by and went on home, and I got home safe. She said, the next day, when I read the newspapers that afternoon, a woman, 20 minutes after I went through there, was murdered and raped and murdered right there in that alley. And she said, it happened right where I saw that man. She said, they'd picked up several men out there in that area, and they asked people to come down and see if they could identify if they'd been in that area. So she said, I'd been in that area. So she said, I went down there. And she said, when I went down there, there was a man standing right there that was standing in that garbage cutout. And she said, I recognize that man. That man was standing right there 20 minutes before that girl died. I walked through there, and that man was standing in the garbage cutout. And when she identified him, he confessed. He did it. And then she asked him a question. I saw you in there. Why did you not attack me? He said, woman. Are you crazy? She said, well, I don't think so. He said, what do you mean? He said, there was two big six-foot men walking right behind you. Now, who do you think those guys were? Angels. Why did it become visible to him? Because his God's daughter had asked for protection to go through the alley. Did he send it? Yes, he did. Could she see them? No. But could that man see them? Yes. And no man in his right mind is going to attack the woman walking with two six-foot men walking right behind her. You know, it's not, it's not going to do that. Well, you know, when you hear about these kind of stories and everything, you think about how awesome God is. And you say, well, God, if He'll do it for her, He'll do it for me. He'll do it for me. So then, I mean, I've had many experiences with angels, but I'll just tell you one. This is so awesome. My son and I, when he was right out of high school, when he was in, I mean, of course, he's still a bodybuilder. And he's still an awesome young man. But back in those days, he was even, you know, faster and everything because he was only about 19 years old. He and I went down in the pasture one day. We got some land. We had some cattle. And a great big bull broke across our fence and came into our cows. And he was down there with our cows. And I didn't want him in the pasture with them. So we went down there to try to get this bull out of the pasture. There was no way we could get that bull out of that herd of cows. I mean, here's this great big bull. He's in there with about 12 cows. And, you know, and he is in heaven. You know, he's right where he wants to be. You know, that's why he broke the fence down and come over there. So, ain't no way we can get him out. I tried everything. I even run into him with a pickup. I mean, I hit him with the front fender of my pickup. And that didn't even slow him down. He'd cut right across in front of me and get back in that herd of cows. Tim and I chased him for an hour. We got out. We threw rocks at him. We threw sticks at him. We done everything. Ty's laughing. He knows. He's probably been there and done the same thing because he's raised cows too. We could not get him out. Tim was soaking wet with sweat. It's the summertime. An hour later, he said, Dad, let's give up. He said, we got to go get a couple of horses and a couple more guys. We're never going to get this big monster out here by ourselves. I said, son, we got help that you know not of. He said, what do you mean, Dad? I said, Father... 
in the name of Jesus, I need an angel. I said, Lord, thank you. I said, angel, I want you to go over and grab that bull by the neck, and I want you to lift his head up. I want you to raise him, take him out of that herd of cows, take him right over there to that fence. Then so I'm turning north down that fence, and right down yonder, about a quarter mile down that fence line, i got a gate open down there. I want you to lead him through that gate, and then I'll go down there and close the gate. I said, thank you, Lord. I said, okay, son, let's get him. He said, what, what, what do you mean, Daddy? I said, come on, let's go get him. We started right through the herd of cows, and as we did, the bull's head come up. He walked right out of that herd of cows, walked straight to that fence, turned down that fence, and walked all the way down, never did look back. Tim and I was about 50 yards behind him. We are walking along. He said, Dad, Dad, this is another one of your stories. If I wasn't here to see this, I'd never believe this. Well, see, that's what's wrong with us. I mean, God has provided these wonderful angels to help us as children of God, and we don't even know it. And because we don't know, because we don't read the Word, we don't know what's available to us. But I've had angels help me on lots of things. Now then, if you've got these big, magnificent beings of grandeur, these angels to help you, what should you fear? Nothing. Absolutely right. So why do we walk in fear as Christians? Why do we doubt the Word of God? Here we've got this angelic host. Come in, brother. Praise God. We got this angelic host around us that's here to help us, and we're on this side of the cross, and we have tremendous privileges as children of God that these people we're going to read about here in Exodus 23 didn't have. Now, they were not born again children of God on this side of the cross. They were on that side of the cross, so they were servants. They were slaves to God. And listen, listen but God is still, He loves them. He's sending his angel, and he's telling them that he's going to send his angel before them, and he's going to lead them. And he says, now pay attention to him and obey him. Pay attention and obey this angel. He says, and obey all of his instructions. Do not rebel against him. In other words, if he tells you to do something, do it. So he says, for he will not forgive your sins. The angel, if you sin or you disobey... The angel will not. He said, he is my representative. He bears my name. But if you are careful to obey him, if you are careful to obey him, follow all of my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will oppose those who oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Pezzarites, Canaanites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, so you may live there, and I will destroy them. Then he says, Do not worship the gods of these other nations, or serve them in any way. And never follow their evil examples. Instead, you must utterly conquer them and break down their shameful idols. Now, isn't that amazing? God told us to live in a land where there was no other gods. We're to break down their idols. We're not to let them in. Did you know that when America first came into being, that if your state was not a state that confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you could not be a state of the United States of America? We have changed, we have slipped a long way today. I mean, 
freedom of religion, we have taken it completely out of context. You know what? When the founding fathers give us freedom of religion, you know what the freedom was? To worship and praise the Lord Jesus Christ in any kind of house that you want to, as long as Jesus was Lord. That didn't include Buddha, the Muslim God, all that other junk that's out there. You could not be a state in America if you didn't confess Jesus as Lord. That was freedom of religion. Freedom to worship Jesus if you want to go to a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Pentecostal church. That was okay. But they all had the founder of it as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our entire nation was founded on the Word of God. If you don't believe that, you just go to Washington, D.C. and look up there what's in granite. What's in granite? We used to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were not a believer in Jesus, you couldn't serve in any of the offices of government in the United States of America. Now then, we have so many people that are not believing Jesus that who knows what's going to happen next? Who knows? See? But who has messed up? We have. We have not read this book. We've not done what this book says. And when people come in, if we're born again Christians, and people come in and say, we're Muslims, we want to be a part of this country. You say, no. If you come over here, you're going to become a born again Christian. You're going to throw away your Muslim God, or you're not going to be a part of the United States of America. And if we had done that, and we'd have kept it clean and pure like that, but the people that live here, the problem is not only with that. The people that live in America today, the majority of them don't believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. You know, the mothers and fathers have got completely away from God. And there is a multitude of people walking across the face of this earth today that's living here, that was born here, that have no knowledge of who God is. None whatsoever. They never know Him. Their mothers and fathers don't know Him. They lived up in a, raised up in a, a drug, alcohol, uh, infested uh group of people, and they have no knowledge of who God is. They never went to church. The devil has done a good job on us. He's really done a good job on us. And why has he done that? Because the few of us that know him have not taken his name and walked in obedience to his word and walked in a demonstration of the Spirit's power. When you walk in a demonstration of the Spirit's power, you get people's attention. You know that? And what a shame. I was a Christian walking... And all the obedience I knew, and I had no knowledge of the, of the walking in the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, just like the average church today. You think about the average church today. How many people do I hear in churches that talk to us say, well, they tell me that all of the gifts of the Spirit went away with the first church. That was only for the apostles. You know, miracles, that don't work today. Healings is not for today. When you're sick, you're just burying your sickness for Jesus. I mean, that's not true. That's not what the Word says. You know, but that, if that's what you're taught in church, then what do most people believe? They believe what they're taught. Because they, <laughs> we are too lazy to pick up the Word of God and read it and study it for ourselves. You know, we take a little group like this that'll take a couple of hours, and of course, not just a couple of hours, the time you get here and go home, you're going to spend four or five hours today of your time to come to a two-hour Bible study. That takes some diligence. You've got to want to do something to take out three or four or five hours of your life to come to a Bible study. 
you know, the flesh will say, oh, stay home and watch your favorite program on television. That's what the flesh will tell you. But when you get through watching your favorite program on television, you're not any better off, are you? In fact, you're worse off because you didn't learn anything spiritually. And so the evil spirits love that. And that's why they're doing what they're doing to us today, deceiving us. But the Lord says, instead, you must absolutely, you must conquer them, utterly conquer them and break down their shameful idols. Then he says, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, if you do, if your nation serves only the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a promise way back yonder, and this promise is still good today. He says, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, and I will keep you healthy. Now, I don't know about you, but we got so many hospitals and so many people in them, you can't build hospitals fast enough. They fill up faster than you can build them. I mean, everywhere you go today, it makes no difference where you go. I, I mean, we travel a lot all over this country, and we go to lots of hospitals. You know, in fact, Cheryl and I just went down to South Carolina and prayed for a boy. We spent eight hours Monday evening, uh, last Monday evening, going down a week ago now. We flew to South Carolina that morning, got up early, flew down there, and we spent from 2 o'clock in the evening till 10 o'clock at night in a hospital room praying for a young man that 18 years old, basically, that had been injured in a car wreck two years before that's laying there in a coma. We went down there and prayed for him, and next day come home. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I didn't believe my God done miracles, I wouldn't have wasted two days of my life, you know. But I don't believe I wasted two days of my life. I've seen God do too many awesome miracles. I know what He can do. And if I don't go and invest my time, He's not going to do anything. But when I do go, I've seen Him raise up people off their deathbeds. I've seen Him heal the sick. I've seen Him do miracles. Hundreds of them. I mean, that's why I love to go. I love to take time out to go and show God I'm diligent. I believe you will do something, Lord. And so we go and pray for these people. But they just got through the big project there, building a new hospital. I mean, you know, they're, it's, it's everywhere you go. They're adding rooms. You go down here in Dallas, and there's construction going on all over the place. You go out to Grapevine, the hospital out there is increasing. They're building new floor everywhere. What is wrong with us? How come there's so much sickness and disease? Well, people just think it's a way of life. We are so steeped in sickness and disease, we think it's a way that we have to live. We, as a rule, even as Christians today, figure that the day's coming when we're going to be in that hospital. I mean, it's just, I mean, everybody nearly, I used to think like that. But not anymore. Not anymore. When I got a hold of what was rightfully mine as a son of God under the new covenant, I received Jesus Christ. And, of course, that word right there, that some of you here, maybe for the first time, you don't know what that word sozo means. But that word S-O-Z-O right there, right under that red cross, means those five things. Saved, healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. Over 20 years ago, when I got the revelation of what that word meant, now up until that time, I had been sick many times in my life. I'd been down in my back a half a dozen times. I'd had many other things wrong with me. But the night I got revelation of what that word meant, and that it meant all those things, and all those things were paid for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, that night I received Jesus Christ as my healer. And from that day to this, I have never had a sick day. 
Isn't that awesome? Why, during the first 45 years of my life, had I had so much sickness and disease, and I was a born-again Christian? I didn't know the promises of God. I didn't know that. And since God's a faith God, I didn't know I had been redeemed from the curse. I didn't know I'd been saved. I knew I'd been saved because I learned that when I was 11. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior as an 11-year-old boy. Now, some people go through their entire life and never receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And isn't it awful to think that you literally go through hell on this earth and then die and get to go to hell? And burn in the flames of hell forever. And it, people don't want to hear that. But I'm going to tell you, every human being on the face of this earth that does not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they die in that, they will immediately be transported into the flames in the pit of hell. And they will burn there forever. And there's no way out. But if you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, then not only can you have a different life on this earth, If you'll be obedient to do what he says, you can have abundant life here. And then when you do die on this earth, you'll be translated to heaven and you get to live with the king forever in a place of glorious, glorious glory. In fact, I think about a young boy one day, about eight years old. He was standing there in the church with his foot up on the wall. How many people you seen do that in your life? You know, I walked up to him. I said, son, get your foot off the wall. Oh, he said, sir, what for? I said, because you're messing it up and this is God's house. He said, so what does that mean? I said, God is training us here on earth how to take care of his house here so we'll know how to take care of our new home in heaven. He said, what do you mean a new home in heaven? I said, son, we're going to get to live here on earth and in these houses that God has built here, these churches and so forth. But when we die, we get to go to heaven, and we're going to get to walk on streets of gold. And I said, our houses are going to be made out of golds and diamonds, and there's going to be all kinds of wonderful things. I said, they're going to be beautiful and magnificent, and we want to know how to take care of them. We don't want to walk up there and put our foot on the wall. I said, you want to know how to do that? He said, you mean when we die, we get to go to heaven? I said, well, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you get to live there. He said, what if you're not? I said, then you get to go to hell. This little eight-year-old boy walked off and goes home. And the next Sunday, his daddy came to me and said, Thurman, Thurman, i got to tell you, you have no idea. We started home in church Sunday afternoon. My son said, Daddy, tell me about this new home that Christians are going to get to live in someday. He said, oh, yeah. He said, son, there's a, uh, we, uh, there's a place called heaven and the streets are paved with gold. And there's going to be beautiful houses. He said, I don't know much about them, but I know that they're going to be beautiful and awesome because God told us a little about them in the book of Revelation. He said, well, Daddy, I, I'm not a Christian. He said, well, son, I don't, maybe you're not old enough yet to understand. He said, Daddy, Brother Thurman said if I wasn't a Christian and I died, I'd go to hell. And he said, Daddy, I don't want to go to hell. He said, I got to lead my son to Jesus that night because of what you said about the house the wall about, he told, I said, how did y'all get to talking about it? He said, I had my foot on the wall. Brother Thurman told me to get my foot off the wall. And said, so he told me why. Because it was God's house and I was supposed to take care of it. He said, Daddy, I won't ever put my foot back on the wall in God's house again. And he said, I got to lead my little eight-year-old son to Jesus because you scolded him for putting his foot on the wall. Now, you never know how God's going to deal with it, do you? 
He said, it was amazing. I never dreamed my son was ready, but he said he was ready. He wanted to make Jesus Lord of his life. And that little boy has been serving God ever since. Today, he's taller than I am, a great big tall boy. But it's amazing what happens and how the opportunity is there for you and I to tell people about Jesus. And you never know how it's going to come to be. But it's such a wonderful thing. Let me ask you a question tonight while we're all in here. How many of you in here are born again Christians? You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You really know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay, that's everybody. Great. Now let me ask this question. Those of you that are older in the Lord, that have been a Christian for many years, how many of you are sorry you made that decision for Jesus? Oh, not a single taker. Isn't that amazing? Not one single person is ashamed or sad that they made Jesus Lord of their life. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful to know Jesus, isn't it? There ain't nothing like it. And the more you know about Him, the better it becomes. Right, young lady? Woo! Glory! The more you know about Him, the better it becomes. I guarantee it. Now then, He says here, after He says that he, what He will do, He says that I will bless you with food and water... And, and I will keep you healthy. And then he says in verse 26, There will be no miscarriages or infertility among you, among your people, and I will give you long, full lives. Now, how many of you like that last few statements he made there? I do. But what did they require? Can you just do anything you want to? What do we have to do? Obey. Obey God's Word. Well, if we don't read His Word, we don't know how to obey. So when we read His Word, we find out what the king likes and what he doesn't like, and then we do what he says. And by doing what he says, he said he will bless us with food and water. There will be no miscarriages, no infertility among us. You know, we will have children and they'll be blessed. I will be blessed. Our children will be blessed. And he will satisfy us with long, good, healthy lives. Well, what do you think would be a good, long, healthy life? Forty years? I don't think so. I mean, when you're... I don't, how old are you, son? Nineteen. Nineteen? When you're nineteen, forty seems ancient. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm coming from? He says, forty, man, that's a long... That's, that's twice my life in front of me already. Well, let me tell you, son, you'll turn around twice and you'll be forty. You know, some of us are way past 40. We already know that. And some of us, when I got to be, when, when my dad was 55 years old, I thought, gee, is he old. <laughs> I thought, is he old? Wow. Some of y'all thought the same thing, didn't you? But when you got 55 or 65 or 70 or whatever you are, you know, when a man in the car with me today said, it's almost hard for me to believe that you're almost 70. I thought, good grief, that sounds bad, you know it? I thought, 70? I'm 30. What are you talking about? But I'm just right here on the edge, you know, I mean, just a couple more years, and I'm going to be 70. You know, good grief, that sounds old, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. But you know what? If you, if you walk with God, 70 is just a number, you know? It's just a number. I said, praise God. In fact, the king, he read, as under the new covenant, he makes a promise to satisfy us with long life. And, of course, even under the old covenant, he promised to renew our youth like the eagles, if we'd obey him. 
Now then, if you know that, if you know under the new covenant that God promised to renew your youth like the eagles, if you say, Lord, you made me a promise right here. Step up in his lap say, Lord, I want to tap you on the shoulder, Dad. Right here I found in your word where you said you promised to satisfy me as long life. But if I'll be obedient and do what you said, Lord, I'm going to do everything you told me to do. Now you promised to keep me healthy and I'd have no sickness and disease. And you'd renew my youth like the eagles. And he said, pats me on the head and says, good job, son. You studied. You studied. Now then I'll do what I said. But I said, but Dad, what if I hadn't studied? He said, then you don't get it. It's not automatic. You've got to know it. And you've got to come to me in faith and say, Dad, you've made me the promise right here. And he says, when you diligently seek me, then I will reveal myself to you. And all these wonderful things will come to pass. So when you get a hold of what's available to you by faith, and you step into that world of faith, wow, you can walk in a new place. And isn't life fun over there? I think it is. I love it. I just wished I'd have learned it when I was 20. You know, I wish that I'm so sorry, Lord, that it took me 40 plus years of my life to learn this. But praise God that I learned it at 40. Right, Gina? Thank goodness I learned it at 40. You know, I don't have to die early because he, we find out under the old covenant what he promised us if we obey. And those, those things still are good. He said, if you obey, I will, in other words, he promised it to the people of old. He promises to us new. Then Deuteronomy chapter 11. He goes on and he makes some more blessings and curses or blessings here for obedience. Everybody likes blessings. You know, everybody wants to be blessed. And, but God has promised to bless us, but he promised to bless us if we're obedient. Now, let's listen again in verse 8 of Deuteronomy 11. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm going to give you today. How many did he say we're to obey? You think he means that? Is he big enough to fulfill that? I think he is, don't you? Somebody says, well, I know he's God and I'm a man, but I'm just as big as he is and I'm going to do what I want to do. You have no clue who God is. You have no clue. I mean, no clue. And if he wasn't merciful and gracious, the first time one of us made a statement like that, he'd reach down and flick us on the back of the head and knock our head and blow them off. As, you know, have, you ever, have you had a mother or a daddy, and some of you may have had, that... And I used to in the old days, there was a lot of daddies did this. They're somewhere and son's doing something and he's down at the front or he's sitting on the front row and daddy's sitting behind him, you know, and he gets a little loud and daddy told him, said, now be quiet in church, you know, don't do nothing. But he's talking to his friend all of a sudden daddy reached up and says, thump. <laughs> Boy, oh, 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 that hurt. <laughs> One little thump from daddy and you know he means business, right? <laughs> Some of us have had that. So you have to learn that God, He has ways to thump us on the head when we don't do things right. And some of those things we don't like and we don't believe. In fact, this morning, in the wee hours of this morning, if you can believe this, yesterday or last night, we were all working and talking about different things in the ministry center. I was working on things. Cheryl was working on things. Dave and Yesha was working on things. And finally, I don't know, it must have been... I don't know what time it was. Two o'clock, uh, Yeshua said, I think popcorn would be good, don't you? And I said, well, now that you mention it, I, I, was, I was in the refrigerator looking for something. And I didn't know what I was looking for, but I needed some little something. And she said, don't you think popcorn would be good? I said, yes. 
So uh, she said, I'll go get Dave and I'll have him pop some popcorn. So she goes out and he's busy gluing a, a door together. And so I thought, well, I'll pop the popcorn. So I get a pot of popcorn all popped up there and everything. And they all come in. We all sit there and eat and talk about things for an hour. You know, and finally, we start back to work and do things. And finally, Ayesha says, you know, I don't care what the rest of y'all are going to do, but come 4 o'clock, I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed at 4. Well, some of us didn't make it. Some of us waited till 4.15, 4.30. And me and Cheryl, when we finally go to bed, we're in there talking about some of these things. And she said, you know, honey, I was just reading. Here we are, 4.30 in the morning, laying there in the bed. And she said, you know, I just read something in the Word that just blew me away. And she said, I don't say the same thing in the King James and the Amplified. I said, oh, it's got to. No, it doesn't. No. I, I said, okay. Reach over, turn the light on. We get up. She goes and gets her Bible. I get my Bible. She gets the Amplified. And for the next 30 minutes, we sit there with a Bible study on the bed at 4.30, 4.45, 5 o'clock this morning. You know, and we finally realize that it says the same thing. And all of them, it's just used different terminology. But... We'll, we'll talk about those tonight. It just blew her away. She said, how could I have read this book all these years and missed this? I said, it's real simple. you got an enemy out there that blinds your mind. When you come to those statements like that, I said, the enemy will blind your mind at what God will do. So she had missed it. But I missed it too. But it's amazing. But, but the Lord says here, if we're careful to obey every command I'm going to give you today, every one, so you may have strength to go in and occupy the land you're about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you, their descendants. And this land will be flowing with milk and honey. For the land you're about to enter and occupy is not the land of Egypt from which you came, where you planted your seed and dug out irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. But it is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it day after day throughout the year. If you carefully obey, if you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and if you worship Him. Now look, think about this. Who do you have to love? The Lord your God. You have to put Him first. Seem like I read a commandment that was called the number one commandment. That He says, this is the number one commandment. You're to love Me and put Me first before anything and nothing is to be before Me. Now, guess what? If you don't do that, guess what's going to happen to you? Something you don't like. Something you don't like. And there's no respect of persons. You know why so many Christians die early? You, know, you want to know why so many Christians are afflicted with sickness and disease and cancer and all kinds of things? Because they don't stay in God's court. They don't stay over here and worship and praise the King. They get out there in the world. And they go to running around in the world and taking drugs and alcohol and smoking and doing all the things the world does. And then you come down with cancer or sickness and disease. You won't like what the devil will put on you. You won't like working in his camp. But you'll enjoy it if you stay in God's camp. He says there, if you carefully, oh, verse 13, if you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and if you worship him. And that's something we don't do well. 
a lot of years of my life, I didn't know how to worship Him. But boy, do I worship Him now. I mean, in the daytime, I don't care where I am. I worship the King. I don't care if I go to dinner like a man come by today and want to take me to dinner. We went up to the Cracker Barrel and had a soup and salad today. And then amongst all those people, when they brought our drink in, man, we blessed that drink. Then they brought our soup and salad, and we blessed that soup and salad. And then they come and give us a refill on iced tea, and we stopped and blessed that iced tea again. You know, and then they come by and give us another refill on iced tea, and we stopped and blessed it again. We worshiped the king. I'm sure some people sat around and thought, boy, them guys are really religious. Well, let me tell you, we know the consequences of worshiping and praising God. And we know the consequences of not worshiping and praising Him. And I know that when I take that food, just like the Word of God says, once I become a Christian, He said, you're free to eat anything you want, but you're to sanctify it with the Word of God in prayer with thanksgiving. Since the Lord told me to do that, I don't want to eat nothing without sanctifying it with the Word of God in prayer with thanksgiving. So, if I do that, then I, I pray a real strange prayer once in a while. I said, now Lord, I don't know what's in this food, but I know there's a lot of stuff that's not going to do me any good. Because we feed all kinds of stuff to different animals and they spray stuff and everything else. So I'm asking you, Father, in Jesus' name, to take everything out of this my body don't need. And then I'm asking you to put everything in it my body does need. I'm asking you to supernaturally bless this food to the nourishment of this body, which is your temple. So your temple will be in great shape to be about your business. And guess what he does? He does it. Sure he does. He wants this temple that you and I live in. Just think. God could have chosen anywhere in the universe to live, and He chose your body to live in. We are the living stones. We are the temple of the living God on this earth. We are living stones of God, joined together, fitted together, built into a house of God on this earth. Isn't that awesome? But that's what the Word says. Then He says, if we obey Him and worship Him, then He will send rain in their proper season. So there must be something wrong with the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Is that right, Ty? I mean, we have begged and pleaded and fasted and prayed and everything else for that little... I got an inch the other night. What would you get? Half. Half? Oh, but thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you for the half inch. Thank you for the inch, Lord. <laughs> we need a whole lot more, Father. But we want, In other words, I was calling the Lord in remembrance last week. I said, Lord, it's so dry all over this area. And I said, Father, you promised to send rain on the just and the unjust. I said, Lord, I know there's a lot of unjust in this area, but there's a few of us that are at, about your business, Lord, and we need some rain. And I said, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for sending the rain. And that first night, that the first night I did it, we got about a tenth. Just a little trickle. And boy, the next day I'm praising Him and standing there thanking the Lord, thank you for that one-tenth. I praise you and worship you. But Lord, I said, we need a whole lot more. Well, the next two or three days, it rained the other night. And we got a whole inch. And I said, oh, I mean, when it started raining, we're all jumping up down in the ministry center, praising God. We're worshiping the King, thanking Him for that rain. And He sent us an inch. And man, it really will help. That inch will really help. But we need a rain like that to fall for about a week. You know, I mean, we need some rain. And by prayers... God hears our prayers. Our prayers are effective when we're walking in obedience to His Word, calling Him in remembrance of His promise, saying, Lord, You promised. And start talking to Him. Dad, we need rain. You said You promised to send rain on the just and the unjust. Well, Father, 
We're down here best we can being as just as we know how. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to send a good, beautiful rain to water your earth. And Lord, we want to thank you for what you did already. But what he asked for much more in the next few days and maybe the next two or three weeks. We need some good rain and we want to thank you and praise you for it. Now, Lord, you promised to send rain if we'll be obedient in its season. Oh, Lord, we need rain. So we thank you for it. So ask. And when you ask, ask in faith with thanksgiving. You know, praising him. Because he said, if you will be obedient to me as a nation, I will send forth rain in its proper season so that you can harvest crops of grain, grapes for wine and olives for oil. And he will give you lush pasture for your cattle to graze in and you yourselves will have plenty to eat. I don't know about y'all, but you know, I loved it last night whenever, I mean, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, yeah, yesterday afternoon. When Cheryl and I, she, she loves meatloaf, and the little restaurant up there in town has meatloaf every Monday. So that's our meatloaf day. She tries every way in the world to get me to go dinner on Monday evening to have meatloaf. I mean, she just wake up in the morning on Monday, she says, you know what today is? I said, yeah, it's Monday. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, it's Monday, but that's not what I mean. I said, let's see. You know, and of course, I got the word out. I know what she's talking about. <laughs> Oh, I said, the meatloaf. Yeah, you got it. That's it. We go to the restaurant today. I love that meatloaf dinner. So, but the Lord, of course, yesterday, they gave her such a huge helping. She had to take half of it home with her. She had enough for two meals. So she really got blessed. And also, the people at the restaurant, they know us, and they know we have a ministry. And when we got ready to go home, since it was about time to close the restaurant, they had a whole bunch of cake left over that they knew they weren't going to use. So they give us a great big container full of slices of cake to take back to the ministry center. So everybody got blessed last night, you know. Does God bless us? Yes, yes as His children when we're obedient, He blesses us in so many ways. Boy, did we thank Him for that cake and everything else. We sat down last night, at 3 o'clock this morning. I had a bowl after, after popcorn. I thought, you know, uh, I... I had a nice bowl of popcorn, but I still not quite full. So I said, you know, I think a bowl of ice cream with a piece of that cake would be very good. So at 3.30 this morning, that, that would fit right into your criteria, wouldn't it, Ty? Every time we go somewhere, we can go out and, and pig out and eat the dog, eat the biggest steak I ever seen in my life. We go down the street and say, we've got to stop and eat an ice cream. I said, I, I'm about to bust. I said, how can you eat? I always said, you all one too. And I mean, so we stop and I, I, I just have to give up. He, he, will, he will not go in there without bringing me one too. I can say, no, Todd, no, 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 I don't want an ice cream. He'll bring me one anyway. He said, you need one. <laughs> so if you go with him, you get, you're blessed with lots of good stuff. Maybe more than you need. <laughs> but we have lots of fun, don't we, Todd? Praise the King. But the Lord promised us we'd have fun. And that he would bless us, and he'd bless us with good things. But see, Christians are supposed to have fun. We're supposed to enjoy living. We're supposed to be blessed with good health. We're supposed to be blessed with long lives. If we're not, there must be a problem. You know, because he promised it right here. So we must be doing something wrong. And I'll tell you what that is. It's sin. That's what it is. We're not studying the Word. We're not doing what the King says. We're not making the King happy. And by not doing that, we're allowing these enemies to come upon us to overtake us. See, I didn't know these things until I was over 40 years of age. When I got over 40 years of age, I learned these things from God's Word. And guess who? 
Guess who straightened their act up? Me. When I straightened my act up and started praying in faith, guess who started answering my prayer? The Lord did. And man, do you get to see Him do awesome things. It's so much fun. But where do you learn of what He likes? In the book. Just like we're reading right here. It says in verse 26 of Deuteronomy 11, He says, Today I'm, going, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. See, He does that same thing in Romans today. He makes that same statement in the book of Romans. I believe it's Romans 6.16. But in Deuteronomy 11.26, He says, Today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you today. And you will receive a curse if you reject the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn from His ways by worshiping foreign gods. You think it's important to do what God says? It's extremely important, but only if you want to be blessed. Only if you want to walk in divine health. See, I didn't know divine health was an option. I mean, many, many years of my life, I just thought everybody had to be sick. I mean, if you'd asked me a few years ago, do you think you'll be sick? I said, oh, everybody has to be sick. I mean, everybody gets sick. I mean, people catch the cold or flu or, or whatever, you know, I mean, or pneumonia or what. I mean, but everybody I knew got sick. My mother and dad got sick. You know, my aunts and uncles got sick. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know a single person that didn't get sick. And one day I got a hold of the promises of God. And I began to read them. I said, Lord, you made me a promise. You said right here, over and over and over, that if I'll be obedient to do what you say, you'll take all sickness and disease away from me. And you will make me healthy. And you will satisfy my mouth with good things. And you'll make me strong. I can go do anything I want to do. I said, Lord... I liked it. You said you renew my youth like the eagles. I really, that didn't, you know, when I was 40, that wasn't too important. (laughs) I knew I was young and vibrant when I was 40. But now then, that, you know, I'm getting on up there a few years, I'm still 40. No, my wife says I'm the youngest 17-year-old she ever saw. I work her down, let me tell you for sure. I mean, I worked this girl down. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. She may be a few years younger than me, but I guarantee I can keep her busy. Amen. <laughs> hey, I'm just wired. She's wired for 115. I'm wired for 220. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. But you know, it is according to your faith. You know that? It is according to your faith or your knowledge level of the Word of God as to what you can do. And I will have to say, I have been blessed with the ability to do a lot of things. And I've done a lot of things. And I can still do all those things. And I love to do all those things. It makes no difference whether I'm you know, working long hours or, or working on a computer, whether I'm studying. Some people, you hear people say all the time, well, I'm over 50 now. You know, my brain's just going out. I can't remember like I used to. You ever heard anybody say that, brother? No, you never heard nobody say that? <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> you may have been like me. You may have done that a few times. You know, because when I didn't know that, you know, we make those kind of silly statements. But, you know, 
When somebody said, oh, I can't remember, my brain's going out. I said, no, you have the mind of Christ. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. If you start telling yourself what the Word of God says, guess what your body's going to do? Hey, it says the Word of God says He renews my youth like the eagle. So I ain't getting old. I'm still young and I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ up here and it don't never forget nothing. I have, I have the capacity to do anything Jesus wants me to do, and that's all things, because that's what He said. Jesus said, if I can believe His Word, nothing shall be impossible with me. So, what's impossible with me? Nothing. What can I do? Anything. Can I work on a car? Yes. Can I drive a car? Yes. Can I fly an airplane? Yes. Can I build a house? Yes. I can do all things through Christ with strength. In me. Can I cook? Yes. What can I do? All things through Christ. My wife, amen. My wife holds it. Yes, he can definitely cook. He definitely is a good cook. He, and he can vacuum. Yeah, the other night I'd run a cable down for our, we got this Christian satellite, and I'd had to cut a hole in the wall up to the top of the house and, and run a cable down through the wall and had to cut a hole down at the bottom and I had to feed that wire down through that and I got it out. Of course, where I cut the hole, I got a sheetrock dust all over the carpet and everything. So, when I got through, I got the vacuum cleaner out and of course, I took the tool and vacuumed along the edge of the wall so I'd get it all and then I vacuumed the floor and all that stuff. Then I vacuumed all around the floor and then I thought, well, I'll just vacuum through the bedroom, went on into the bathroom, vacuumed everything. When she come in, she grabbed me and said, wow, this is great. You vacuumed the house for me. I said, oh, yeah, I know how to do everything. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ. Made my wife's whole day. See, she didn't have to do it. Oh, goodness, praise the Lord. But when you do things for God, you know, you do things for the Lord. Did he say, whatever you do, do it as unto me? Of course he did. So how do you think I wanted to leave that room? If I'd done it for him, I want to leave that room dirty? No. I mean, it might not be quite so much of a disaster if I left it dirty for Cheryl and said, well, you're the woman of the house. You can back up my mess. I run the cable. You can do that. I could have done that. But I had to say, Lord, I don't want to leave it like that because I'm doing this for you. And so I don't want to leave the house dirty. I want to clean it up and make it perfect. And so when I did it for him... And it made him happy. Sure, it made my wife happy. So, And see, that's the thing you need to do. You need to do everything as unto the Lord and not unto man. Because if you're doing things to man, you might say, well, I'd do it better, but it's just for Thurman. It's not a big deal. But when you realize, hey, I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for the God that's in him, Jesus. And that will make you do a better job. That'll make you conscious. Just like, do you know every time I woke up and talked to this girl? Like when I lay down in the bed and I put my arm around her. You know who I got my arm around? Jesus. Because who's in her? Jesus. And that makes me handle her a little more delicately. You know, you've got to get a hold of that. And you have to remember that all the time. Because when you forget that, you just become a normal man in the flesh. Or when you realize she's a daughter of the king. When I'm standing there talking to her, I'm talking to Jesus. So then, if all of a sudden I get angry at her and I'm reading her the riot act, who am I reading the riot act to? Jesus. And she says, don't you forget that. (laughs) But you know, the more of the knowledge of the Word of God you have, the better person it will make you. You know that? The better person it will make you. 
I mean, it's just amazing. If you don't know nothing about the Word of God, you don't know what you're dealing with, and you don't understand these invisible spirits in the kingdom of God, you'd just be a normal person. I mean, you have no problem somebody coming, you do something, you'll lie to them, you'll steal from them, you'll do all kinds of things. You don't know that God is watching you and everything you do. He's watching you. And guess what you don't get by with? Nothing. So if you do what's right, guess what? He blesses you. And I love blessings, don't you? Yes. I love blessings. I love walking in divine health. I love being able to get up in the morning know that I'm going to be young and strong and vibrant and I can go do anything I want to do today in the name of Jesus. I love that. And you will too. You know, somebody said, well, yeah, that's no problem with me. You know what, if you're only 40 years old, that's not a big deal. But, you know, I know lots of people when they get close to those 70 years, like I'm approaching those, I'm real close, just a couple of years away. When they get my age, some of those people are old. You know, they couldn't run down a bull if they wanted to. You know, I mean, they ain't even going to get out there and try. They don't have any idea who they are or what they can do in the name of Jesus. You know, they wouldn't dare crawl up on top of a building, you know, but you can do all things through Christ. And if you know you got them angels to help you, you can even do more. Uh, you can call those angels and they will help you. And I mean, I remember one time when Dave and I was trying to stand a wall up out there to uh, Tim's gym. And we had a huge wall, 22 feet long, double two by sixes, nearly 19, 18 and a half, 19 feet tall. And me and him tried to stand up those two, that wall and we couldn't do it. It, I mean, we tried, but we could not do it. We tried to put a ladder in there, and many got away from us and locked the fell on both of us. So it was a hot summer day, and we went over and sat down. We're drinking a, cup, a glass of cold water, and Dave said, Thurman, we messed up. I said, what do you mean? He said, we didn't ask the Lord to send us an angel. He said, you need to ask God to send us an angel to help us stand that wall up. I said, that's right, I did. I said, Father, forgive me. For trying to do this all on my own. I said, you sent these ministering spirits to help us. So I said, Father, send us an angel. I said, thank you, Lord. We got through with our drink of water. We go and we, sit, we get a hold of the wall. It's an angel. You get right there and you pick that wall up and you help us stand that wall up. In Jesus' name. I said, Dave, you ready? He said, I'm ready. I got a hold of mine. I said, let's go. We go up and oh, bam, right in place. And I said, wow, you are a lot stronger this time than you was last time. Because I didn't hardly lift at all. He said, I didn't either. Now, what happened? The angel showed up, and he helped us. Isn't that amazing? What's available to us as sons and daughters of God if we know it? All kinds of wonderful things. All kinds of wonderful things. I'm telling you, God is so awesome when it comes to these things that he's promised us. Now then, let me go past this one. I want to go to one to show you how they used to deal with a rebellious son. Now, this is, when I read this, I thought, this is good. Everybody needs to know this. Because I want to show you how, in other words, today, if you've got a rebellious son, he's a drunkard or an alcoholic or whatever, what do you do with him? Somebody said, well, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with a situation like that. Well, let me show you what the Word of God says to do with him. This is, this is kind of rattle your cage. But this is in Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. Suppose... A man has a stubborn, rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In other words, they give him a spanking or whatever.
In such cases, the father and mother must take the son before the leaders of the town. Isn't that amazing? They must declare this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and he refuses to obey. He is a worthless drunkard. Then all the men of the town must stone him to death. In this way, you will cleanse this evil from among you and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. If you were a rebellious son, and they took you down and stoned you, what do you think the other rebellious sons in town would do? I'm telling you. I remember a man that used to be my neighbor. He was about 80 years old, and this had been 35 years ago. He has since long since gone home to be with Jesus. But one day he and I was talking, and I said, Mr. Mack, I said, did you ever see a hanging in your life? Oh, he said, I saw one sermon. He said, we came to town once a month in the wagon to get supplies. And he said, we came to town one time, and there was this thing built down there. And I said, what in the world are they doing? And one of the guys said, they're fixing to have a hanging. I said, a what? They said, they're going to hang a man. He said, I didn't understand what that meant. So I went down there to see and said, they walked a guy up this platform put a hood over his head, and had his hands tied behind him, put a noose around his neck, and the guy pulled a lever, and the guy fell and thud, and it broke his neck, and I heard the guy gurgling as he died. He said, I watched that man gurgle and flop on the end of that rope until he did. I said, what in the world did that man do that deserved his life? They said he stole the horse. He said, my lands, I would never steal nothing, never, if that's the consequences. You know what would happen today if we had a few more of those? You know what we would stop? We'd stop a lot of things. Now let me tell you, in the foreign countries that I've been in, especially the Muslim countries, if they catch you even though you're a child, they catch you stealing. You know what they do to you the first time? Say you're a 10-year-old kid, and you're stealing something, anything, no matter what it is, even food. If you're stealing, you know what they do to you? The first offense, they cut off one of your hands, and usually it's your right one. They cut it off right at the wrist with a machete. You don't have many thieves over there. I don't care if you're a 10-year-old kid, and you get caught stealing, they take you down, this boy stole, and they cut off his hand right there. But you know what? You don't have many second offenders. And you never have a third offender because if you get caught the second time and you've got a hand cut off and you get caught stealing the second time, you know what the penalty is the second time? Your head. It cuts your head off. When I was over there in that country building a building years ago, the project manager of the hotel that I was with, he pulled up one day and a big crowd of people was out there. And he had just got there. He didn't know what was going on. And the car, which he was not allowed to drive, we were not allowed to drive in those Muslim worlds. They come over, two police officers come over and took him out of the car and pulled him over there. He didn't know what was going on. And they just manhandled him and took him over there and pushed the people back. And he said, one of them had me right behind the head. And he said, as they pushed them back, 
I, I'm, my head's right on, and there's a guy laying right, sitting right there on his hands and knees with his head on a block, just as a guy comes back, and I saw that guy's head fall into a basket. And he said, I passed out. I passed out. He said, when I woke up, everybody was gone. The driver come over and he said, are you ready to go? And he said, what happened? He said, they just wanted to show you what happens when you seal something over here. They wanted to know, the police, when they wanted you to know what happens when you steal. He said, don't ever steal nothing. He said, if you steal something, first time they cut your hand off. He said, that guy, that was his second time. He said, they cut his head off. So everybody gets caught the second time, loses their head with a machete. So you never have a third offender. Isn't that that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Somebody said that's so cruel, but they've controlled it. You don't have many thieves over there. There's very few thieves in that country. Now, over here, you've got to lock your doors. I mean, people steal stuff right out of your car. When you go to the parking lot, if you've got something in your car, do you lock it? And sometimes, like Cheryl and I did here a while back, we pulled in on Sunday afternoon after church down here to a restaurant and parked right in front of the restaurant and went inside and had dinner. And we come out, the right window had been broke out of our car and her uh, makeup kit had been stolen. Somebody thought it was a purse, but it wasn't a purse. It was a makeup kit, but that makeup kit she had cost a fortune to replace. I had no idea. I got a new awakening. Bam! I mean, makeup? Good grief. I thought the little makeup kit it cost $5 for the kit and $10 worth of stuff in it. I found out that was not true. Woo! Yeah, had no idea what that stuff called. But somebody broke into our car right down there. Now, why does those people in broad daylight break a window out of your car and reach in and steal something they think is a purse, which is a makeup kit? They probably got down the street. And in fact, I take that back. They got a, they got. Oh, that's right. You did leave your purse in there, didn't you? Because there wasn't no money in it, but there was a credit card in it. And we called to stop the credit card, and they'd already already spent twenty five or thirty dollars for gas right down the street. Already stopped and used a credit card, one of them. We stopped every one of them right then. Why is it in America we have this kind of a problem? Why is it in America we have to have a police officer or three or four of them on every block downtown Dallas? Because, I mean, we don't punish sin. We let people get away with it. Don't we? You agree? He's a police officer. That's why I'm asking him. He is a police officer. He's in this mess every day. He's catching them, and they're getting out on the other side just about as fast as you put them in there. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So, now then, if we were to do what God told us to do, you know, we would see a change. We would see a change. But now here's the thing. We may not do what God says, but God's going to do what He said. So we are going to suffer the consequences. And the day we get a hold of the fact, he says if we obey him and do what he says. How much did he say he'd keep us healthy? Did he say that? Did he say he'd take all sickness and disease away from us? So there's got to be some kind of a problem here, isn't there? Do you know anybody in the church that's sick or afflicted? Yes. Was I sick and afflicted in the church? Yes. Why? Because I didn't know how to receive Jesus as my healer. I didn't know how to do that, so I was walking in sin. I was not walking in obedience to His Word. So for 40 plus years of my life, I had numerous sickness and disease. 
I'm going to tell you, I can remember when I was a six or seven or eight year old child, I can remember laying in that little bed at home, crying with a massive headache that was, I mean, just like my head was crunched. And nobody knew what to do for me. I mean, I'm sure my mother probably prayed, but she did not pray in faith. That's obvious. Obvious. She didn't know. She didn't know a demon due to some kind of sin that either her or dad had committed was opening the door for a devil to torment me and I was in excruciating pain. But it wasn't without a just cause. But who knows what the sin was? But I don't know any family that's not walking in sin, do you? No. Everybody's walking in some kind of sin. You know, we're not walking holy and obedient to God's Word. I mean, the church, if you don't believe that, all you got to do is get around one of them for a few minutes. You'll find out, what is the number one sin, you think, in a church? Not, I'm you, this is what I believe it is. Not worshiping and praising God and putting Him first, like the first commandment says. I think that is the biggest sin in the church today. We do not worship and praise God and put Him first. Now, he said... He said many places in the Old Covenant, if you don't put me first, you will perish. You know what that means? You'll die. That's what it means. Yeah. So, why do we have sickness and disease? Because we don't obey Him. Then he says here, in Deuteronomy 28, in other words, what, do, what, do, what would you, you think if we had these rebellious sons today, we were to... You know, stone a few of them down on the city square down in downtown Dallas. You think that'd be on the news? You think maybe that might stop a little rebellion? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, alive. It's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing. Now, then, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 58, I want you to listen to this. Deuteronomy 28.58 says, If you disobey, if you refuse to obey, or if you disobey all the terms of this law that God just gives you, that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm both you and your children with incurable plagues. Is that kind of scary? Who's going to do this? God's going to do it. He said He would. He's in control, isn't He? He sure is. The Lord will overwhelm both you and your children with incurable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief making you miserable and unbearably sick. He will bring against you all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and they will claim you. The Lord will bring against you every sickness and plague that is even those that are not mentioned in the book of the law until you are destroyed. Somebody says, God wouldn't do that to me. Okay, then just take that page and tear it out and throw it over your shoulder. We'll go to the next one. We'll find it again over there. I mean, it's in the book. It's in the book over and over and over and over. 
I mean, you know, how, did, how did we miss that? That's like Cheryl said this morning when we were sitting there reading that. How, honey, how did I miss this? I said, I don't know. There's an enemy out there. That's how you miss it. There's an enemy. He's blinding your mind. He don't want you to know these things. Because if you get a hold of this and you know you're accountable to God, and you know that if you go out and start sinning, you're going to bring sickness and disease upon yourself. If you've got a brain, you're not going to do it. I don't know about you, but how many of you like a spanking? How would you like to be spanked with a bull whip? I wouldn't. But I'm going to tell you, I'd rather take a bull whip spanking than to have the wrath of God come upon me because of disobedience. Because he says he will bring incurable diseases upon us which will destroy us. Now, if he did that in the old covenant, he'll do it in the new covenant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He demands that we walk in obedience to His Word with no sin in our life. No sin. That's just like that testimony I read Sunday. Some of you may have been here and heard that testimony. But there was a man who wrote me a letter. I'll just paraphrase it. This man, when he was 15 years old, lied to his daddy and enticed his daddy to let him go to a rock concert. Or his daddy was not a Christian... But daddy didn't want him to go because he knew there was drugs and alcohol and he didn't want his son to get off on drugs and alcohol. But finally, through his lies and manipulation of his dad, he enticed his dad to let him go to that rock concert. He went. His first encounter with drugs and alcohol. And he got on addictive drugs for years. And right after that, he started coming down with epileptic seizures. And he had epileptic seizures for 29 years. Now, he got saved when he was 29 years old, but from, huh? So, 26 years? 27 years. Okay. Yeah, that's right. He got saved when he was 29. He was afflicted with the uh, epileptic seizure 27 years. That's right. 27 years he was afflicted, and he'd been to many counselors, many doctors, everything, and nobody could contain it, even with medication. And he said it was so humiliating now to be a director of a camp, a Christian camp, and an epileptic seizure come upon him, and he can't do anything but go through a seizure. It was a demon that was tormenting his flesh. And when he heard me speak two years ago at Big Sandy, he said, I heard for the first time in my life that sin goes along with sickness and disease. He said, when I left Big Sandy, I said, Lord, if I could have 10% of that man's faith that just spoke up there. He said, I could see, if I could just see 10% of what he's seen, I'd be happy. He said, I went home and got on my face before God and started praying. And he said, I had no idea that God wanted to forgive me of all those sins and give me the whole load, just like he did you. He said, God has blessed my life. He said, my wife and I got on our face, began to petition God, and God showed me. He said, your epileptic seizures started coming up on you right after you were disobedient to your parents. He said, I told you in my word, children, obey your parents in all things because this is the will of God. He said, also, it will bring long, healthy life. And he said, I had not done that. He said, I repented. My dad died six years ago. But he said, I repented, asked God to forgive me, asked my dad to forgive me and everything. And he said, first John 1, 9 took on a whole new revelation when I came before God said, Lord, I repent of my sins and I ask you to forgive me. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and told me, now that you've repented... I have delivered you. You will have need for no more medication and you will have no more seizures. He said, that's been six months ago. I've not had one drop of medication and not one single seizure. And he said, my life is forever changed. Hey, that's why we do what we do. 
That's why we serve the living God. That's why I read this book and study it. Because I think about the hours I spent to learn these things. But just think, for that one man, only one, if you had been that person, was having a seizure every other day for the last 26 years and taking all that medication and you got free, what would it be worth to you? There ain't no money value you can put on that, is there? No. But just think, when we tell people about Jesus and people get saved and we snatch them out of the pit of hell and put them into the kingdom of God, what kind of price can you put on that? There ain't no price you can put on that. I mean, healing, yeah, you may get healed. It's okay. It's not okay, but it is better to be sick and die and go to heaven than it is to never learn about God and even maybe be healthy most of your life, but die and go to hell. You don't want to go to that place. No way do you want to go to that place. But anyway, when I see men like him, a director of a Christian camp, has been tormented by a demon for 26 long years with the strongest medications he could take, still has seizures regularly, and then repent and come before God and ask Him to forgive him. And God speaks to him and says, Now, because you've done what I said, I forgive you and I restore you. You don't need no more medication and you will have no more seizures. And for six months, he's not had And guess what? That man's life will be changed forever. You think he'll get back into sin? No, not on your life. I mean, that man and his wife will walk holy before God. They'll teach these principles in that youth camp for their directors. And they'll change many a young person's life. They'll have a tremendous testimony to tell. And to think, he said, I asked a question one time in church. Do the healings and deliverances that Jesus did still happen today? And he said, from the pulpit, there was a resounding, no, they were only for the first century church. Boy, is that a lie. Jesus is not a God that healed 2,000 years ago, but don't do it today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we will walk in obedience to his word, you won't need healing. Will you? The Lord said, if you obey me, did he say he promised to keep you healthy? So when you stay healthy all your life, who needs a healing, right? And I don't want to be healthy all my life and need a healing. And you, brother? Amen. I don't want to have to be prayed for to be healed. I want to be healthy. You know, praise the King. Now he says there, all these things he will do. Now then, let's go to Job 36. I want to read just a little bit out of Job 36. Now, last night, Cheryl and I was reading in Job 33. Now, that's an awesome chapter. You get a chance to read it. Read it in the NLT because it's very clear. You may miss it in the King James or even the Amplified because Cheryl did. She missed it in both those translations. But when she read it in the NLT, it was so clear there ain't nobody could miss it. And actually, the verse that really knocked her off the desk was... Verse 16, I think it was. 19. 19. 33, 19. Yeah, I mean, that verse really just blam. It hit her right in the face. But she was reading it in the NLT. Do you have the NLT right there, honey? I'd like to. I bet someone does. It says that God disciplines His children with sickness and disease. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what it says. God disciplined his children with sickness and disease. The King James or the NIV, they say, in fact, let me, let me get mine here. Let me read that to you right quick before we go on into Job 36. Let me read this and I'll show you what it says in the uh, King James. Job uh, chapter 30, 33, 19. Let's see here. 33.19. Okay, 33.19 in the King James. It says, He is chastened also with pain upon his bed. Now, what do you think it means if you're chastened with pain upon your bed? Is that sickness and disease? Of course it is. And the multitude of his bones with strong pain. Ooh, all that good stuff. So that his life abhorreth bread. In other words, he can't eat. He's, so, he's hurting so bad he don't want nothing to eat. He hates bread and his soul, uh, even dainty meat. I mean, even fancy. He don't want nothing to eat. When you're sick and you're that way and you're down, what do you want to eat? I mean, if you were in a hospital and you were suffering with that kind of pain, do you want anything to eat? No, a lot of times you don't even want nothing to eat. Don't don't bring me nothing to eat. I'm not hungry. But just think your bones are sticking out. Isn't that awesome to think that God would chasten His children with that? Well, if, if you're disobedient, hey, He'll do it to you. You need to get a hold of the fact. Most people won't tell you that God will do this to you. Most people say, oh, God would never do nothing like that to you. Let me tell you, they don't know this book. If somebody tells you God won't chasten you with pain and sickness and disease, you ain't read this book very well. He certainly will. I mean, He will chasten you. And then in Job 36, it says, God is mighty. Yet He does not despise anyone. He is mighty in both power and understanding. He does not let the wicked live. Uh, uh, Job 36, verse uh, 5. 36.5, where I started. God is mighty, yet He does not despise anyone. He is mighty in both power and understanding. He does not let the wicked live, but gives justice to the afflicted. Verse 7, his eyes never leave the innocent, but he establishes and exalts them with kings forever. If trouble comes upon them, and it will, if trouble comes upon them and they are enslaved and afflicted, he takes the trouble to show them the reason. He will show you the reason. He shows them their sins, for they have behaved proudly. And he gets their attention and says they must turn away from evil. If they listen and obey. I mean, isn't this awesome? If they listen and obey, God, then they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. I don't know about you, but I like to be blessed with health and prosperity, don't you? I mean, I love it. I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to go out here and work all my life away like I've seen men. How many men have I seen that bust their self, come get in early, work late, 
I mean, do everything at the cost of their wives, their children, never have time for none of them, ain't got time for God, ain't going to go to church, never tithe or nothing, and they got it together, and they're 45, and they got a great, big, beautiful motor home that costs a quarter million. Now then, I'm about ready to retire in five more years, and we're going to take this thing and go across the country, and a guy drops dead at 46. Have you ever seen that happen? I have. Many times. And people say, wasn't that a shame? Old Joe, he had all those plans. He worked so hard all those years. He never went to church and he never served God. And he died at 46. Oh, he'd cheat you any way he could to make that money. Now, what did God say he'd do to those kind of people? He said their lives would be short. You think he still means that? Sure he does. Now then, people say, just like one time I... You know, I started asking questions when I began to read this book in detail. And I'd see two boys raised up in a home. One of them is now 70 years old. And he's healthy, goes to church, loves God, loves his mother and dad when they were alive. I mean, we're good to him. And I say, you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I had a brother. What happened to him? Well, when he was 40, he died. What happened? He just had a massive heart attack and died. I said... I wonder why. I get to thinking about it. I say, you're, you're 70 years old and you never had any sickness and disease? No. I said, do you love God? You go to church? Oh, yes. I mean, I love God. I go to church. I serve Him. I tithe. I mean, I served as a deacon in the Baptist church all these years. I absolutely, I love God. Was you good to your mom and dad? Oh, I'd do anything for my mom and dad. They were the best people you ever seen. I ain't never seen. Let me tell you about my mother. Oh, she was the greatest woman. My daddy... They'd do anything for me. How about your brother? Well, he wasn't too good a guy. What did he do to mom and dad? Uh, He's always calling daddy the old man when we grew up. He never had any respect for mom and dad. Oh, now this is beginning to make sense. You had respect for your mom and dad. You loved them. And God says, children, obey your parents in all things because this is the first commandment with promise that you may have a long life on the earth. So you don't obey your parents and you don't respect them. Then if he says, if you do obey and honor your parents, you'll have a long life. If you don't do that, what do you think the alternative is going to be? A short life. So his brother died at 40. He was even younger than he was by a couple of years. But yet he died at 40 and the brother's 70 and he's still in perfect health. But he loved his mother and dad. He honored them. He loved God. He put God first. He went to church. He tithed. But his brother didn't believe in those things. He went out and did what he wanted to do and called Dad the old man. Died at 40. You think you get by with anything? No, nothing. If it's written in this book, you better take it to heart. He means exactly what he says. Wow. I don't know about you, but I love life and I love healthy life. And I love serving God. And I love putting Him first. And I love being able to get to the age I am and still able to walk in divine health and run and play and do anything I want to do. Don't you love it? Sure. You want to be able to do things when you get older? Then you're going to have to do the same thing I did. And I learned it reading this book. Somebody said, I don't believe that. Okay, do it your way. <laughs> and see what happens. You know, because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen because it's written in this book.
Number one, if you don't do it God's way, guess how many prayers you're going to get answered? That's exactly right. None. None. Now then, the Lord made us promise to lots of, He made it to all of us men. Listen to this statement, guys. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church and gave His life for her. How are you supposed to love your wife? Like Christ loved the church. He said, if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. You know what that means? They will not be answered. Isn't that amazing? Get right with your wife and God will answer your prayers. I see men that will not love their wives. They'll come to church and be good to their wife at church. But they treat her like dirt at home. Take her for granted. Never do nothing nice for her. Never try to make her day. Never make her feel good. Who would have ever dreamed 15 minutes of vacuuming the floor the other day made Cheryl so happy she couldn't stand it? <laughs> I mean, I had no idea that that few minutes was going to make her so happy. Wow! Did I reap the benefits? She come run and grab me and hug me. Oh, honey, I love you for vacuuming the floor. I thought, wow, well, I'll do that more often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, a lot. See, you never know when you do something good what the results may be, right? Praise the King. You didn't know I knew how. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Now that she does know, see. Now, don't you go there now. Don't you, I expect you to do it every day now. No, 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 no. I don't do that every day. But I don't mind doing it once in a while. Now then, he says, if they listen and obey, then it will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives, and their years will be pleasant. Do you like that? Sure. I'm just saying, these are promises from God. He is telling us what He likes and what He doesn't like, and what He will do if we'll do it His way. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have long, pleasant years with prosperity, wouldn't you? So it means I've got to do it God's way. Somebody said, well, I think I'm going to do it my way. Well, let me tell you. Your way is not going to meet the criteria in this book. And you're not going to have a long, healthy, prosperous life. I guarantee you, you will not. Because the king said it here. Then he says, but if you refuse. Uh Uh-oh. He always tells us the consequence on the other side, which we don't like. But if you refuse to listen to me, they will perish in battle and die from lack of understanding. You'll die in battle. Isn't that awful? As young men, if you just don't obey God, you will die in battle. Wow. For the godless are full of resentment. Even when He punishes them, they refuse to cry out to Him for help. They die young. After wasting their lives in immoral living, die young. But by means of their suffering, He rescues those who suffer, for He gets their attention through adversity. Now just think, how would you like to be laying on your deathbed with some kind of awful disease, and you cried to God, and you've, maybe you've suffered for a year, or two, or five, or maybe you've had... Pains like you told me you'd had for 30 years, 
Deborah, 30 years of pain? Some of you in this room have suffered for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years with something, and some of you are still there with it. Some of you are still there. But she was there for 30 years. But she finally got a hold of it, finally repented, finally stood on God's Word. Now then, she had no idea that some kind of sins or something in her life way back yonder had brought all this on her. But when she repented and got over it, she got rid of all of her allergies and pains and suffering. And the last two years, she's been totally pain-free. There's another one. My wife the same way. She had had some kind of pains and sufferings like that, and she's pain-free. But now, just how many people do we know that come to this church that are like that? A big bunch of them. A big bunch of them. So, hey, what do we have to do to make this work? Do it God's way. Is that right? I mean, I mean, this is God's Word I'm reading to us. Now, look at what he says here in Romans. Or Actually, let's, uh, let's go to Acts. We, just a couple more verses here and we're going to quit. It's ten minutes till nine. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles replied in Acts 5, 29, We must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by crucifying him. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this to give the people of Israel an opportunity to turn from their sin and turn to God so their sins would be forgiven. Now, see, this is what's so awesome under the new covenant. I don't care where you'd lived. You might have been the murderer, a rapist, abortionist. You might have had two or three abortions in your life. Ain't no telling what kind of sin. You may have been a drug addict. Who knows where you may have lived. But you can come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, He cleans you up and makes you a new creature. Is that a glorious thing? And He forgives you and washes you. And He puts your sin as far as the east is from the west. And let's look at it like this. He makes you a virgin. It's like you'd never sinned. You know? Is that awesome or is that awesome? He cleans you up. Now see, we have a problem believing God can do that because we know our past. But the blood under this new covenant is so awesome. It makes no difference where you had been. No difference. I mean, I hadn't lived a real bad life when I got saved. But if I had up, if I had been the wickedest kid in town, if I'd have lived till I was 25 or 30 years old, and I'd slept with a different woman every night of my life, and if I'd killed one every other night of my life, and if I'd have done every, I mean, I could have been the mean, I could have been the worst gambler. I could have drank a fifth of alcohol every night. And one day somebody told me about Jesus, and I come to Jesus, and He cleaned me up and delivered me. At that point right there, I'm clean and pure like I'd never sinned a day in my life. Only the blood can do that. You know that? But you know, when you get a hold of that, then you can look and you can say, well, you know, Thurman, you used to be a wicked sinner. Yeah, I used to be a wicked sinner, if that was the case. But no more. I'm a new creature. That boy died at the cross, and now then he's washed in the blood. 
and I can stand clean before the king and come in and bold as a lion and petition him for great things. And he washes me. And when he looks down and sees me, I jump up in daddy's lap in the throne of grace and say, Lord, I got this problem. The day before yesterday, I was the worst guy in the world. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was mean, wicked, bad. But today I come to Jesus. So I come up and jump up in the lap of Daddy. And I say, Daddy, i got to have some stuff here. I understand you're my Daddy now. And he looks down and he says, Woo, I see my son. I see my son down there. I'm washed in the blood. And that's all he can see is a righteous, holy instrument that's never sinned a minute in his life. He said, Sure, let's talk, son. What do you need? And as long as I can see myself like that, and I can get anything I want from God. I can ask Him in faith. And what the Word of God says, that when we come and petition Him, we have no sin in our life, and our hearts do not contemn us, whatever we ask the Father for in the name of Jesus, He'll give it to us. Anything you ask, He'll give it to you. But He says, if your heart's, if you got a sin in there, you got saved today, and tomorrow you go back out and you... Do something wicked or mean, or you cuss somebody out, or whatever you do, and you hadn't repented, then you've just been cut off from God. You can't get back in there because of your sin. Until you repent, you can't get back in there. Now, you'll be cut off from God because of that sin. And sickness and disease will come upon you in all kinds of things. But when you repent, like Deborah did. Like Cheryl did. I mean, there's numerous people I've taught this to that have had diseases and sicknesses and things for 5, 10, 20, 30 years of their life. And when they repented and come to God. Just like Brother Patrick O'Brien, the one that I read the story about Sunday. I mean, that guy, a two-page letter, awesome testimony. 26 years of seizures and pain and suffering. And the last 13 years, he's been saved. And he's gone to college. He's the director of a Christian camp. And nobody could control his seizures. But when he repented, God can. Now then the man's delivered. Wow. Does that make the Word of God come true? Everything he said is exactly what he says. He means exactly what he says. He will do these great and wonderful things. But he says, these men, the Peter, the apostle, these men were told by the church members... You will not speak in this name. Or what they say? We must obey God rather than human authority. So, when it comes down to obeying, who do we have to obey today? God or man? Most of us obey man instead of God. God told us to go out in the world and make disciples. We go out in the world and the world said, Don't you dare talk about Jesus in the workplace. If you do, you offend somebody. So you keep your mouth shut. Do you hear me? What do most of us do? I won't say a word. What a shame. What a shame. In Romans chapter 2, think about in Romans now, the New Testament, the God's judgment of sin. You may be saying, what terrible people you have been talking about. Now, you've got to read all of that Romans chapter uh, one and two to get this. But you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourselves. For you do these very same things. And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. 
Do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and not you? And not judge you when you do them too? You think He's going to judge you as a daughter or a son? You think if you break God's rules, you think He's going to judge you? Yes, He will. He says so. Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind He has been in giving you time to turn from your sin? Aren't we glad He's patient and gives us time? I am. If He hadn't been patient, I know one young man here that He'd have swatted down with a fly swatter a long time ago. You know that? But he's kind and gentle and patient. And I got a feeling there's might to be just one or two of y'all who got a swap with that fly swatter too. Y'all know where I'm coming from? I know some of y'all since. When Cheryl told me when we got married, she said, Honey, you're marrying the worst sinner in the church. I said, That's not true. You may think you're the worst sinner, but guess what? I'm the pastor. I know, and I deal with these people, and I pray with them, and I know some of them are far wickeder than you are, girls. <laughs> you're not the worst sinner in the church. <laughs> she just knew her life, and she thought she was the worst sinner in the church. She's not the worst sinner in the church. And after that, whenever she repented of all of her sins, how clean is she? How clean? Hey! I mean, if he, now then, that's her first, that's her favorite verse. In Psalm 103, verse 12, he puts my sin as far as the east is and the west, never to remember them again. So when the king looks at his daughter, right now she's got her sins all repented of, what does he see? A dirty girl? No, he sees a righteous, holy little lady in a white, beautiful gown. Because he sees her through the blood. And he sees you the same way. Isn't that good news? Praise the king. Praise the king. So, And we read in Romans chapter 2 here, we must make sure that we will walk in obedience to God's Word. We walk in love and do what the King says. So if we walk in love and do what the King says, even in the New Covenant, if you'll read, if you'll go ahead and uh, this week, if you have a chance, read the first seven chapters of the book of Romans. Read it in two or three translations and you'll see over and over where the Lord tells us, technically He sees us as dead to sin. And if you're dead, he said, you're not supposed to sin anymore. You're supposed to walk holy before me with no sin in your life. That's probably been the biggest thing for me to try to get across to my own life and to others. That as Christians, we don't have to sin anymore. But lots of people say, you can't go through the day without sinning. Well, let me tell you, you better try and walk with me because I'm sure going to try. I am definitely not going to go through life thinking today when I get up today, I'm going to sin. Uh, That's not in my vocabulary. My vocabulary is I will walk holy before you today, Lord. All my thoughts will be clean and pure. I will have no evil thoughts. I don't want to think an evil thought about you or nobody else. I want to walk holy in God's presence. Because if I walk holy in obedience to His Word, He promises me that no sickness and disease can come upon my flesh. I like that, don't you? I love that. You know? You don't have to have an insurance package. You know how much money you save when you don't have to buy insurance? Health insurance. Do you know health insurance is not cheap? If you have to buy your own, anywhere from 300 up, 500, 800. How much? 
A month. Yeah, a month. A month. Just think how much money you can have to do something else with. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beautiful word. I thank you that you've given us this book to study so we know what moves you and what upsets you. And Father, we're going to do our best to walk holy and obedient to your word. And Lord, we're thankful for these mighty chapters in this book that you've given us, even those back in the Old Testament, which correspond directly with those in the New Testament, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. And so, Lord, help us to walk holy and obedient to your word so we can be blessed and we can walk in divine health. And we thank you and praise you, Father, for your promises, which are always yes and obedient, yes no man to your, yes and amen to your obedient children. Thank you, Father, because you wrote that in 2 Corinthians 1.20. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.